Monday, everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can find me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can find me at Dan Urban MMA. You can also follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And if you listen on Apple or Spotify or anywhere else, it'd be great if you subscribed. And if you're listening and you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review because we would appreciate it. And we're going to talk about judging in MMA, so you should learn the criteria, which can be found at abcboxing.com. Scott, it's snowing. It is snowing uh, quite a bit. I wasn't outside, but I know you just came back. How is it outside? It's going to be uh, it's going to be a doozy of a storm, that's for sure. I'm not looking forward to the shoveling, although I very strategically placed the cars in my driveway so that I have like the most minimal amount of shoveling to do. That and is the way my house perfect. is set up, you you see my house. You know, it's it's similar to yours, where the the steps are kind of very close to the street. and and the driveway so like i basically just shovel out my steps i go down i shovel around the car i shovel out the driveway and usually my neighbor graciously he's got a snowblower i do not uh he just blows the um the sidewalk so yeah there's not a whole lot to it you pack the driveway that's all that's all there is to it yeah no it's true i'm I'm looking forward to getting the kids outside tomorrow if uh or i guess today because it'll be monday when you're listening maybe and uh you know maybe getting a little snowman building a little pulling around in the sleigh yeah that sounds sled. like fun not santa sleigh <laughs> it'll be a good day i hope yeah, it will be we'll see i hope everybody drives safe out there if you're driving please uh, uh no no take no, no, your no, time. no don't drive stay home well, is that too? But if you do have, some people have to drive. Some people don't have a choice. You know, they work in industries. You know, maybe, maybe they're police officers. Knock it off. Just be safe. <laughs> but Dan, you were also uh, watching something that I was not tonight: the Royal Rumble. Tonight was a good one. It's it's always my favorite card of the year. It's usually the only one that I actually look forward to, and actually watch. Yeah, you don't usually watch. I don't think, right? Typically, no. Uh, but the Royal When's Rumble. When's the last time you actually were like an avid? WWF, I'm going to call it WWF, I don't care, fan. Oh, I I was into it for a while, maybe like two, three years ago. Okay. But it's it just, the product was just so geared to kids at that point, and it, it just didn't, didn't, didn't keep me. I like how you say this with such, like, disdain, whereas a, a buddy of mine who I grew up with, uh, he was really excited to show his kids the Royal Rumble for the first time this year. It's the, it's the best event, no matter no matter what era of, of fan you, you were from. It's just the best. Okay. So what what made this one so good? Because I I'm I'm so far removed from being an actual like avid wrestling fan. Like we're talking about high school, like early high school, that I can't really even put my finger on what's like the appeal and what makes a good event anymore. Okay, really, what it is is the Royal Rumble is the start of WrestleMania season because the winner of the Rumble is the main event of WrestleMania for the title. Right. So it's, it's I heard the, it was Edge this year, who at least I used to watch. Yeah, Ed Edge did win, and he he uh, pulled a Shawn Michaels and I believe a Rey Mysterio Jr. by coming in first and winning. Okay. And uh, yeah, it was it was just a good match. They 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 did well. A lot of fun uh, stunts and high spots. Is that the, that's the there term? Was, right. There was a couple good good high spots. Okay. It, it was it was a solid solid couple match. In the women impressed, they may have been a better match than the men's match uh, Royal Rumble tonight. Well, a coworker of mine who uh, does a lot of our, basically does all of our pro wrestling writing, um, was saying that the women now in pro wrestling, especially in WWE, I'll say WWE, uh, are like the main reason to watch it, or not just the main, not necessarily the main reason, but they're like one of the highlights. They are much, uh, much better, and hopefully not being degraded every week like when I was watching. <laughs> 
They no, they they've stopped that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> they, they they have they have stopped that. That's good. As you know, I've been rewatching uh, the Attitude Era back when I watched. I've been doing some binging here and there, and oh my goodness, I'm like I'm watching this horror sometimes. I'm sometimes I'm laughing like heck, but then there's some things that just make me cringe in the worst way, and I'm like, oh god, yeah, how'd that happen? Well, I was <laughs> I was just a trash human being in high school, but I guess we all were different times. Everybody was a terrible person in high school at some point. Different, like. different times in some ways. But I don't know. Uh, yeah, and then Matt Riddle had a good run to this year former ufc welterweight i've heard he's in wwf yeah. now at e. wow he had a really cool uh omoplata to triangle to armbar to us getting put in an omoplata uh getting stuck in a triangle power bomb out of the triangle try to eliminate the guy was this in the rumble match this was in the rumble match and it was it was wow a, it was a cool transition spot and that, that was that's a that's a weird thing to have i feel like that's a weird thing to have happened during a, a match where everyone's trying to get you over the top rope it was it was yeah well you know it was also with daniel it was with Di- daniel bryan who has uh trained he uh, trained uh extreme couture so he, he's familiar with I, I guess the uh the mechanics of, of that type of transition but sure the power bomb was transitioned into trying to get him into an elimination. Okay. So you know, do you remember when Matt Riddle like stopped by AMA Fight Club for like a week? I do like not remember. Days? No, I don't remember. You don't him. remember that? I had a conversation with him, a very brief conversation when he when he was there. Um, I don't know if I caught him on uh, at a weird time, but he, he seemed a little out of it. I, I know he's he partakes of uh of the devil's grass, <laughs> so I don't know if that was what was going on or whatever, but. He definitely was a little zoned when we were talking, and, and I, I came away with, I was like, wow, this is strange. But, uh, you know, obviously he's he seems to have done really well with this uh, reinvention of his yeah. career. I mean, I mean, that's the reason he stopped fighting is because he kept getting in trouble. Does WWF care if you do that? Uh, they do. Okay. I don't know if they're more lax or less lax than USADA. Well, they don't have actual athletic commissions to answer to, right? No, they do. How does it work? I actually don't know. Uh they have like the doctors come. Like I was just watching that Yokozuna documentary, and in New York State, he was not cleared to perform because he was so heavy and his blood pressure was just through the roof. You know, because again, I'm I'm binging the old show. You know, back when I was watching, and yeah, they would talk about oh being cleared to wrestle. Da da da. I thought everything was just for show. I thought it was kayfabe, right? Is that the term? K- right? Yeah, kayfabe. K- kayfabe yeah, is I thought this was all just to like put on a show like there there was no like sanctioning bodies mm-hmm. or anything like that yeah. or whatever but sure enough I'm learning they are they are regulated it, it's i, just well, I don't, don't think i don't un- think, it's I think it was unregulated i guess it, i just didn't know how it operated the thing is the wwe has a wellness policy so your full-time employees you know if they pop for anything that is approved but these wrestlers are independent contractors yes yeah, uh, there's some loophole weirdness in that that's it that's absurd but that's a whole nother story. The part timers, I th- I believe, are not held to the wellness. So, so who'd that be? Like Brock Lesnar's Is- a part timer. Oh, okay. So he doesn't have to pass wellness uh, tests or whatever. Supposedly, uh, okay. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I believe I have read that. Look, I'm sure Brock Lesnar's not putting anything in his body that's disallowed. <laughs> Guy's so big. Wink, wink. <laughs> he did not show up tonight. I, I honestly thought he was going to show up tonight, but he didn't. Okay. And were there any other, because you know, mentioned Matt Riddle, we're talking about Brock. Are there any other guys or gals who have uh, MMA experience that you know about who, who yeah, participated in this? Because uh, I know there's been a few crossovers over the years. Shayna Baszler. Oh, uh, yeah, Shayna Baszler, queen of, uh, queen of spades, right? She had a cool elimination. She had an elevated rear naked choke and just dropped the girl outside of the ring. 
I was oh, like, wow. well, that's very violent and awesome. She, I, I think, I the thing real quick about Shayna, I feel like she's one of those people who was like a real pioneer of the sport for the women. And like once it finally got to the point where she could actually be there, like the sport had kind of passed her by. So I'm glad she's able to have found uh, her second kind of uh, life for her career, too. Yeah, she, she's good in the ring. Uh, who else? Uh, tonight? I didn't really. I don't Bobby Lashley was in. Bobby Lashley was there. Bobby Lashley was in the men's rumble. Sorry, he's gone back and forth between uh, between both over the years. And off the top of my head, I, was, I can't I, really I think. think I want to say I was there when Chad Griggs beat him. Or really? maybe that was on maybe it was on TV. No, I watched that on TV. I okay. wasn't there for that. Yeah, other than that, I don't really recall any other MMA fighters. Okay. But uh Yeah, we're not we're not a wrestling show. Yeah, I think we've, I, I think we've talked that. about enough wrestling for the year, right? <laughs> we've talked plenty of wrestling. And, and likely for the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So but you know, we we've obviously we've got a, a past judgment that we wanna get to for this week because we are in a Frankie Edgar fight week. Frankie Edgar, I think he, and BJ Penn, I think both of these guys have been on the most past judgments. Is that right? I mean, we've done a lot of BJ and we've done a lot of Frankie. Yeah, you know what, though? I think what happened is we did those fights early in our uh, run of this show, probably before we got much more, um, let's say, comfortable and knowledgeable with how to apply the the ABC criteria. that's true. So I, I almost feel like, if you were to go back and listen to those shows, uh, you're, I mean, if, if you're a professional judge by any chance and you go back and listen to those shows, which I don't recommend, uh, <laughs> you'll probably be like, these guys don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Although maybe you'll be impressed that we've come this far. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got to be impressed with improvement. I, I mean, I would hope so. I would I'd hope he, uh, there is some appreciation for the fact that we're not as dumb as we were. <laughs> you got <it. laughs> You gotta, yeah, you gotta appreciate that. But yeah, of course, Frankie is, he's fighting on Saturday against Corey Sanhagen, this fight that they've been trying to put together for like a year and a half now. And uh, it's finally supposedly going to happen on Saturday, Knockwood, in the co-main event. It's only a three-round fight, not a five-rounder. Um, but yeah, the, the fight we're going back to for past judgment, it's it's Frankie against BJ, like you said, uh, the first of their two uh, bouts 11, almost 11 years ago. Dan, this was like the coming out party yeah. for Frankie. Long time ago, really was. Yeah, so, and if you appreciate improvement, improvement, Frankie, this Frankie to the Frankie we knew as champ, really improved. He definitely uh, he made leaps and bounds. I think everywhere, and he was somebody who always surprised. Uh, I think every time he came into the cage, it was like it was almost always better than I feel like you expected him to be. Say, so, why don't we just get into it though? We've got this fight. We're going back eleven years for uh, Frankie Edgar's coming out party against BJ Penn, the first fight between the two. Uh, and before we dive into past judgment, Dan, just go into the traditional uh, CSJ scoring spiel. Yeah, the CSJ criteria is basically the same as the ABC criteria, which, as we mentioned earlier, is available at abcboxing.com. Like certified judges, we score rounds based on the three Ds, damage, dominance, and duration, but we just made a few key changes. A 10-9 round is a competitive round in which neither fighter checks one of the three Ds by a large margin. A 10-8 can be considered for just one D, but should definitely be given when two Ds are achieved. A 10-7 is available for checking off two Ds, but must be given for all three. We've discarded tiebreakers for effective aggression and area control, as these are rarely used by judges anyway. The rare 10-10 would only be given in largely uneventful rounds. All this helps provide for more varied scores that should more accurately reflect what happened in a fight. All right, Scott, set up Penn Edgar 1. Yep, so we're going back, like I said, 11 years 
to the co-main event of UFC 112 from Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi, uh, United Arab Emirates, which we've been calling Fight Island for the last year. Uh, but this is obviously long before we thought of Fight Island as a name, how, as clever as that is. Uh, <laughs> so this, and this was this was actually the first trip for the, by the UFC to the Middle East. So back on April 10, 2010, BJ came into this one. He was 31, so still very much you know in in, in his athletic prime in that range. Uh, 15, five and one, five and zero oh, uh, at lightweight during this latest UFC run. He was just coming off a dominant five round or fifth round, excuse me, TKO of Diego Sanchez in December. So this like this for me, this was when he was at like his peak. That's prime pen. His prime pen. Like this whole his whole previous 29 uh 20 uh 2009 year, you know, that was when he got his third straight title defense against Sanchez like I said. And I mean, he really just you could tell he was just so much better than all the guys that were being thrown at him in the title picture and there, it wasn't like there was, you know, a weird booking of it. Like these they were putting what we thought at least were Mostly the best guys. Yeah, for, uh, for sure. Yeah, the GSP like beat down, mixed in between these. Yes, stretch, but... yes, yes. That's right. And actually, Dan, that was the twelve-year anniversary of that fight was yesterday, being Sunday. Wow, twelve that. years. I, I I was watching that one. Uh, that was one of the first uh, events that I went out to watch. Yeah, it was at one seventy. So it was yes. That's why I didn't count for that. But Frankie, he's coming to this one, twenty-eight years old, so definitely in his prime. And he's still a rising fighter. He was twelve and one uh, as a pro at this point, six and one in the octagon. That only loss though was to Gray Maynard, who by this point he was still unbeaten. And I remember thinking before this fight that Gray should have gotten the title shot. Mm, I don't really remember. I definitely had that thought. You know, I'm I'm a newer fan at this point, but I'm looking at it on merit and I'm saying, well, I mean, Maynard's unbeaten. He already beat Frankie. Why shouldn't he get the first crack? Yeah, that's true. I'll tell you what I thought, what, what what I remembered about this fight from back then was that UFC 111 was in New Jersey, and before they announced any of the fights, I knew it was coming to New Jersey, and I was like, you gotta put BJ Penn on this card, <laughs> and they didn't, and I was just so he disappointed. Just I had to settle sorry. for GSP. Uh, hey, I was excited. That was my first <laughs> event I attended to, and I was very excited to see GSP, even though I was, I was less excited because it was against Dan Hardy. No offense to him, it just... GSP had been kind of beating up on everybody at 170, so it was like, well, I guess Dan Hardy's next. I remember vividly in my seat, probably round five, uh, and there was some uh, guys from England that were attending the fight from there. And I had I, some around me, too. And I'll never forget it. These guys are, these guys were just jokesters, and the one just yells, for God's sakes, Dan, just do something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll never forget that. That's probably That's what terrific. I remember most about that fight. That's right. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I also remember uh, GSP had him always in an arm bar. Oh, yeah. And he almost uh, right. and he, he said, oh, I don't know the meaning of tap. Yeah, He's definitely arms. tapped out. He's yeah. definitely tapped out. You can look at <laughs> his ledger. Anyway, so back to this one, though. Frankie, like I said, he got the shot over who I thought it should have been Gray Maynard. But he was coming in. He had, he had just beaten uh, Matt Veach, who was a late replacement on the undercard, uh, who'd come up after Kurt Pellegrino was supposed to fight Frankie. That was going to be uh, like a Jersey Shore war. Yeah, look at that. Pellegrino and Frankie Edgar. Missed opportunity. And Veach, actually, he was supposed to fight Mark Bocek, who, honestly, I'm looking at that now when I find that out, and I'm like, why didn't Mark Bocek get the shot? Yeah, he was really tough, too. He, he should have gotten the fight against Frankie. That would have been a better fight. Uh, Veach was unbeaten, but, like, 
I think Bocek was was a, I think he was Bocek, objectively a better fighter. I think Bocek just lost to Jim Miller at 111. Oh, was that it? Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Well, no, actually, no. That was after. Oh, that because was even we're talking after. about. Oh, that's yeah, right. yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Right. And we can we can make the case that I mean you could you could at least debate whether Mark Bocek could have won that fight or not, but that's neither here nor there. We're gonna stick with this fight. We we bounced around too many other fights. Let's stick here. <laughs> Judges for this one, we got Doug Crosby, we got Sal D'Amato, and we got Andy Roberts. Referee for this one, Herb Dean. That man's been around. He's he's been around the block. He's he's <laughs> just he's uh, he's ref a fighter too. And actually, you know, this is usually the point where I would say, you know, oh, unfortunately. MMA Decisions doesn't have all three judges' scorecards for this one. However, I was able to learn, thanks to uh, a, a, somebody who was able to provide them for me, the scores for this one. So I'm able to talk about which rounds were scored. Awesome. And maybe maybe we'll contribute to uh, MMA Decisions now. They'll be able to fill that out. Maybe. Maybe Chris McMasters is listening. You can add it. Former guest of our show. Yes, sir. Shout out to Chris. Yes, yeah, so let's dive in. Let's let's go to round one. And and actually, bef- real quick before we dive in, if we haven't put this off too much, but <laughs> we have to get it out of the way. You are a big BJ fan. You are a big BJ Homer. I love BJ Penn. That's so that. let's see how that uh, influences your <laughs> scoring. Do you think you were able to do this in a uh, an objective way? Uh, I do. I do. All right. Well, let's see. Let's let's dive into round one. Like I said. So what do you got? What what happened here? Clearly, BJ Penn won this one. <laughs> Just kidding. <All> right. <laughs> <laughs> I was objective, but definitely BJ won it. Uh, I actually did score this round for BJ Penn 10-9. I thought he landed more effectively throughout the round, and really Frankie's only effective offense for the most part was a couple leg kicks and maybe a body kick. He landed something towards the end of the round, which cut BJ's eye, but BJ uh, really did well throughout the round. That, that wasn't going to sway it. Yeah, the thing with with Frankie in this one is he's doing so much movement. Like he's doing that obvious movement that we've grown accustomed to seeing him to do. Over, uh, that we've grown accustomed to seeing him do over the past what twelve years, I guess, since this fight, and or eleven years, and he's not landing much. He didn't land much at all in this round. It's a lot he of misses. Did a lot of. I mean, he had BJ moving also. I mean, I guess setting it up for later in the fight i guess maybe i don't know but uh, sure i mean that that's obviously potentially part of the strategy to win it later but yeah it didn't really win him anything here right at this point in the fight bj was countering really well and, and able to see whatever frankie was throwing yeah he i think he landed more i think he landed better you know it's honestly i look at this round as kind of a hard one to make a very good case for frankie yeah i i, I think it's pretty clear here for bj penn yeah, I mean, of course, from our angle, that's always the given. Uh, what about the judges' angle? The judges for this one, again, I'm, I'm going to be breaking a little bit of of news here on, on the most minor of scales. Uh, <laughs> two judges, it was Roberts and D'Amato, had this one for BJ. So we saw it the same way as they did. Uh, Doug Crosby, whose score we already know because he actually gave every round to Frankie, uh, and we'll touch a little bit more on, on uh, Crosby's scorecard after this one. Uh, so yeah, obviously he gave this one to Edgar. So it's two two to one uh, judges in this round. But obviously the I think the consensus is pretty much that BJ won this round. I think among yeah, most people, right? I would say so. Yeah, it's really kind of hard to argue the other way. I would agree. I mean, you know, you can talk about you know potentially the the activity from Frankie, maybe from a certain angle. It can look like from a certain point of view, as I like to say from uh, Obi Wan, that. Maybe it looked like he was landing. I don't know. It's hard to say. I wasn't cage side, and sometimes you have to defer to the judges, but it's it's tough to see it from our angle that we had, right? Yeah. Let's go to round two. 
Uh, did you uh, did you see it in your heart to go for Frankie Edgar this time, or are you just going to be the, the homer every time? By the way, I, I don't know if I mentioned it. I also saw it for BJ. Oh, yes, we did need your score. I must have said that. <laughs> I think I essentially said it without saying yeah, it, but yeah. yeah. I, I, explicitly, 10-9 BJ Penn. Okay. So round two, though. What, what did you think? Is, is this another uh, pen round for you? Yeah, this this was another one for Penn here. I thought he landed good counters, really. And, and he was good at beating Frankie to the punch. When Frankie would pause, like, for the split second, BJ was firing a 2-3, landing good combos. Frankie had a bit better offense this round, though, than he did in the Late, previous I round. Think I actually, like, I sort of disagree and agree. And, and here's why. I think that Frankie had a very rough, like, first three minutes of the round, three or three and a half minutes or so. And then I think later on, you started to see him almost kind of find a little bit of, of a groove. Even if he wasn't landing as, as much, I still think he was starting to feel, like, at home in there a little more and not just be moving around. Right. I got Frankie's active, but nothing of much effect. He had a good solid leg kick and maybe a decent right or two. But, like, yeah, like you said, he's just really feeling himself towards the end of the round. Yeah, I think so. The funny thing is, though, if you look at the stats here, and you know, stats don't tell everything, but they can sometimes enhance what you already saw. If this in this round, this was the most lopsided round strikes landed wise for BJ Penn. Okay, it was seventeen to six. Really? Okay. I yeah, I definitely saw. Yeah, BJ they only credited him with solid. six strikes landed. What's I, that? I definitely saw BJ landing solid strikes. Yes, I, it, but I think it was later in the round is when I started to see what it looked like. Okay. And, you know, I, I don't want to say like these numbers are even something that you just have to take as gospel too, because uh, you know, how, how well are they able to determine how strikes are landed too? You know, sometimes we have a, a difficult angle from even watching on the screen. You know, I, I'm not sure what they do to determine that. It's not like they have wearables that are mm-hmm. figuring that out. Right. Um, but it does match what I already saw. That's, that's why I don't think you can try to tell a story because of the stats. I think you can tell a story and then use stats to try and explain it. Okay. That's how I look. That's how I always tried to look at stats, or at least uh, since I've understood things better. I think that's that's how you should really look at stra- right. yeah, statistics when it comes to MMA. Okay, so then you you did score this one for Penn, then? I did absolutely. Yeah, this is a. I think this was his best round actually. Really? But he just started. Okay. Yeah, I do. I did. I think he just started losing steam a little bit later in the round. Is all it was. Okay. But I think on on the whole, he built up enough of a lead. Uh, you know, I, I remember earlier on in the round. BJ really clipped him pretty well, uh, Frankie, when he was coming in. It was kind of like Matador style. Do you remember this one? Yeah, I, he he hit him with a couple good ones. That that this one in particular really stood out for me, and not just one strike makes the round, but that was that's the one that I took away from it. I was like, oh wow, he really definitely got him there. But good round for him, but starting to slip away. You can kind of you can kind of see it coming. Yeah, you, you totally can. So I've got twenty to eighteen for Penn. You do too. Um, this round, though, this was actually a majority round for Edgar. It was Crosby and Roberts joined him on this one uh, for 10-9 Edgar. Uh, it was only Sal D'Amato who had 10-9 for BJ Penn. Mm, good man, so, Sal. So, so D'Amato's <laughs> got the same scorecard as you and I, whereas Roberts has it split 19-all. And Crosby, because, again, we already said he gives every round to Edgar, he's got it 20-18 for yeah. Frankie. And we'll, we'll come back to that. Yes, yes, most definitely. And uh, But round three, though, this is where the tide of the fight most definitely has turned. It seems that Frankie has definitely earned the speed advantage from here on out. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, you don't want to say, oh, you know, BJ Penn, he just slows down because he gets tired. I think, 
I don't know that that's what happened this time. I think it was just the fact that Frankie can keep up a pace that BJ can't. That that's true. Uh, you know, but, it's it's he slows down, but not necessarily just because he's typical BJ slowing down tired. No, yeah, but Frankie would all. That's what I was getting at earlier. Frankie, all that movement and BJ having to chase him. Mm-hmm. That's gonna play a part in his cardio. And For sure. Definitely, it started to seem like his punches were starting to be a bit more labored uh, in this round. He wasn't getting out of the way uh, as easily as he was. Frankie was landing a lot better than the previous two rounds, and uh, BJ was still actually landing a little bit here, but yeah, just oh, not absolutely as good. he was. I don't, I don't think it's awful to give this round to BJ if you really wanted to, like if you, depending on where you sat or anything like that. I don't think it's a terrible thing to go for uh, for Penn here. See, I, I thought, I don't know, I, I kind of find a hard argument for Penn here. I think I don't find it that hard. I, I actually don't. I would understand if it went that way. Yeah, fortunately, nobody did. None of the judges did. I already give that away. All three judges saw it for Edgar. I saw it for Edgar. You saw it for Edgar. So, you know, there's no drama here. But I actually didn't think it was all that bad to give it that way. Well, I just didn't. See, a lot of this round was Frankie able to land his shots and get out of the way of the counter. Whereas the previous rounds, he was missing his shots and not getting out of the way of the counter. So, sure, but I, I do think that there's a degree of, you know, oh, it's finally happening for, for Frankie. You can almost read into that as like, oh, it's, it's really happening for him because he's moving around a lot more. I do think BJ is still catching him here, just not, he did. not as hard did, yeah. and not as much. Right, I, I, I do, yeah. I All think right, it's if close. You, if you, if it was a close round. I just thought it was one of those close but clears. Uh, I mean... Yeah, it's probably roughly around that range. But it, but for me, I wouldn't have a problem with it going the other way. Believe me, 12 years ago or whenever, however long ago, I would have no issue. Well, you probably, at that point, you probably had, what, like 49, 46 for BJ? That's my guess. And my guess is that you, Dan Urban of 11 years ago, said BJ won this 49, 46. Robbery. Dan Urban 11 years ago said BJ Penn won this because Frankie Edgar did not do enough to beat the champ. Yes, that's that true. Is you would have said I that. Said. I know I said that. Yeah. <laughs> I said that a million percent. <laughs> you probably said that a year ago. Perhaps I did. <laughs> if we asked you a year ago, you might have said the same. <laughs> I have come I have come off that thinking. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. I remember sitting in, in uh at your place before the COVID hit and we were talking about that type of uh dynamic and, and you still kinda of believed it. I I mean you got to go take the belt, but rounds are scored individually, and that's how it is. They are. So, that's true. That is true. So whether I want to believe it as a whole, perhaps, but round by round, you can't believe it that way. No, no. And then, you, like you said, you've you've come a long way. We've come a long way. So I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you've come off of that that horse because it's not a <laughs> it's not a reliable horse. Yeah. So anyway, I got a ten nine Edgar. You got a ten nine Edgar. Had the judges have it. Uh, like I said, everybody was for Edgar. Okay. So you and I are at twenty nine twenty eight for BJ. Uh, which is the same as the motto. Our scorecard mirrors his so far. Roberts and Crosby, they both have it for Frankie winning right now. Crosby's, again, every round for him. And Roberts has it 29-28. So still a close fight on Roberts and the motto's card. Very much of a winnable fight. Whereas for Crosby, him being the, the minority scorer in this one, it doesn't matter that much yet. But he uh, he would basically need a finish on his on his card from BJ Penn. Yeah, pretty much. Which doesn't this doesn't seem to reflect the fight that I saw. No, definitely not. Round four, though, this I thought was by far the closest round of the fight. Yeah, this round one hundred percent closest round of the fight. Actually, which is funny yeah. because I'll give it away right now. Everyone saw it the same way as far as the judges. 
and and as did I. I also scored it for Frankie Edgar. 10-9. Well, why, well, why did you go for, for Frankie in this one? You, you said it's close. Well, what did you say? I thought Edgar landed just a tad bit better and probably a bit more. He probably had probably had the volume edge. BJ seemed a bit slower. His counters weren't landing with as much pop, I didn't think. And I thought he, he just edged it by the closest of margins for Frankie. And you know what? You, Mr. Uh, BJ Penn Homer, went that way, and I went I went 10-9 for Penn. All right. I like it. I, I actually went that way. It, it's it's a tough one. I think this is a really tough round. Uh, it's, it's one of those rounds that you almost feel like one strike could have made the difference. Yeah, totally. And and I think for, in this case, I just gave Penn the, you know, the slightest of edges. I thought he landed more crisp when he was connecting only by, again, kind of the slightest of margins. Yeah, that, that's totally fair because this round was really, really close. It, it truly was. That's why it's so funny when you look at kind of the first two rounds of this fight and how we thought that they were pretty easy for BJ Penn, and those were the only two rounds where the judges disagreed so far. Yeah, different criteria, though. So different. Yeah, it was a different time, uh, and we're not, again, as we point out every week, we are not actually professional judges without, you know, we lack training. We've had conversations, and we've done our best to educate ourselves, but at the same time, Maybe there's something we're missing. Always got to acknowledge that, I think. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, so now you've got it tied at 38, just like uh, Sal D'Amato does. Um, me, I have it 39-37 for Penn, which nobody has. No judges have it this way. Nobody. Roberts has it 39-37 for Frankie. And of course, like I said, Doug Crosby has 40-36. to So BJ, he really does need a finish to win this fight. He doesn't know this, of course, but he does need a finish on the to win on the scorecards yeah. or uh, not. He can't win on the scorecards. Sure. I should say barring a 10, eight, which he wasn't going to get. No, you would have definitely been my echo chamber 10 years ago. <laughs> Cause I would have been like, yeah, for sure. He's winning this fight. No doubt. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have said no doubt, but yes, you would have latched onto whatever you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> you give me the little sliver. I'll take it for sure. So yeah, round five though. You, again, you've got it tied. Who yeah. won this fight for you? Uh, as much as it pains me, I scored round five for Frankie Edgar, and I, I kind of see a, a tougher uh, argument to give this one to Penn. Oh, I think, yeah, absolutely. I thought this was Frankie's strongest by far round, yes. which is no surprise given what we've seen from him. This is a dynamo who goes for five rounds, you know, the whole way. So to have his strongest round in the fifth does not surprise. Yeah, BJ landed a couple decent shots. I think clinch, he had some good clinch shots. Yeah, I mean, he's landing. But, uh, but no, Frankie really, he was in and out, pop, 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 out, pop, 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 out, not getting hit on, on the, the the counters. And he's landing at the highest volume so, that we've seen, too. Like, he really is just connecting at a at a clip that we haven't seen. You know, I said he landed six strikes in the, four, in the second round, excuse me. In round five, he lands 23 total strikes. Yeah, definitely his best round and, and easiest round in that. I would struggle with anyone going pen for this one. And this was the round that, not that this gets scored very well, this was the round that he finally did land an actual takedown that kind of stayed down. Yeah. One it strike didn't stay down very long. Out, yeah. Really, yeah, it basically didn't land anything of, of significance, so it was kind of up after that. But worth noting that BJ was tired enough, who, you know, again, he, he's had very good takedown defense in his career. Oh, they said this is like, the first time he was taken down since he fought Jens Pulver at 155. Well, they were saying this first time taken down at lightweight. That's yeah, 155. 
Mm-hmm. But like that's it's, that's misleading because he took so many fights at different weights. Yeah, BJ fought all over. The, I mean, that's, that's, why, that's why I love the guy. Punch. I know you do. I mean, he's a wild man. He fought I, Machida at two hundred five, yeah. I think. Unfortunately, he's a wild man in some you know less fortunate ways, as we've seen in the news recently. I, I wrote up a a report on that from and from from the New York Post about the fact that he was uh, apparently arrested again uh, last month. So that was disappointing, but. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Check the news. All right. Um, so how the judges see round five? Are they all in agreement on this one? Yep. Everybody had Frankie Edgar 10-9. So final scores, we got Crosby at 50-45, Roberts at 49-46, and uh, D'Amato, just like you, at 48-47. I had 48-47 for Penn. You had 48-47 for Edgar. But, you know, I think both of us could agree. 48-47 either way is is kind of a viable score. I think 48-47 either way is the correct score and I, I w- think you're right. I want to say you're right. if you're scoring this fight for Frankie Edgar, the only 3 you give him are 3-4-5. If you score this one for BJ Penn, the only 3 you can give him is 1-2 and 4. I would allow 3 is is a possibility, but I but that's not how I would have gone. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I I think 50-45 for Edgar, as Doug Crosby had, is just not a good score. I don't think it's a good score by today's standards, yes. If, if back then, it got shredded by people online, calling people calling it the worst score in MMA history. I don't know if that was the case, because, you know, what was it, probably a year later, or a year earlier, or even just a few months later, was when uh, Leota Machida got the decision over Shogun Hua. <laughs> So, I, obviously, MMA fans have a very short memory. Oh, they, they have the, the shortest of memory. And BJ Penn's fan base is just enormous. So, of, of course, everyone was going to come out of the woodwork for that one. You know, his, his head's pretty enormous, too. He's got a giant head. It's like an easy target <laughs> for punches. You know that, right? It takes a good one, though. It takes a good one. Yes, he does. So, yeah. And... Maybe, maybe he took too many. <laughs> it's yeah, possible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... Uh... Again, I, I think the fight really does hinge on round four, even though the scores themselves don't reflect this. It's, you know, different unanimous rounds and split rounds and things like that. But it, for me, it's got to be round four. I think that's the way most people would look at it. Yeah. And and I think Sal, again, proves why he's the top dog with that score. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. He was ahead of his time. He was already seeing it the way the, the criteria is supposed to be today. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe it was always like that. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> we're not as well-versed, again, in the, the criteria of old, and it almost seems like a, uh, a faulty exercise to even bother getting well, that well-versed in it yet. Well, Crosby did offer explanation of his score. <sighs> yes, the judging genius uh, did, indeed. Um, <laughs> of course, we're alluding to the infamous post that he made on the underground a couple days after the fight called The Judging Genius Judging Genius in all caps returns from the Middle East. And honestly, we can't talk about this fight and have a judging show where we don't talk about this rant, thread, whatever you want to call it, from one of the judges. Uh, it's just, and it's funny because I actually, I'd kind of forgotten about this up until the other day. Uh, someone reminded me of it. So I'm, I'm glad that we're actually doing this fight for past judgment. It was, at least a part of it was because of that, but also it did work out that Frankie's fighting this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so that was, it was kind of just kismet. So epic rant, Dan. <laughs> it was totally an epic rant, but uh, his explanation really was basically, I'll read it. Actually, it says 
and in my considered opinion, Edgar dictated the tone of the fight, successfully implemented and executed a strategy, landed better strikes, and basically outworked Penn. By today's standards, the only one in there, from how I interpret the, the criteria, is landed better strikes. Yeah. Everything else falls into aggression or, or area control. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, outworked Penn, I mean, I guess that could be alluding to volume, but it really could just mean that he was you know, moving around more. Yeah, this is, uh, by again, by today's standards, it's not a good explanation for how the criteria applies. Absolutely. I agree with you. So, I, I mean, who knows how, I mean, I really don't know what it was back then, or as well as we know the current one. But, I don't think it was remotely like this, though. I, I, I'm pretty like I would have to think, you know, tone of the fight. You know, these kind of things. Like these are these are phrases that we hear people say, but like they don't really apply to the way fights were evaluated. I don't believe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he goes on a bunch more. He says a bunch more. This is just one paragraph. Oh, it's a strange it. rant. Like the whole thing uh, is a strange read. But that's really the only thing he points out about the fight itself of why he went that way. Yeah, so, and it, it sort of took him a while to get there. I think there was like what ten or twelve separate posts that actually yeah led up to kind of beat around the bush for a lot. I mean, the man has a vast vocabulary. <laughs> yes, he does, doesn't he? Uh, getting the thesaurus out, I guess. Right? That's yeah, what you were saying. That, I, I needed a thesaurus and a, and a dictionary. You tell me that though, too, about what I say to you. Yeah, I mean, journalists. I mean, they use a lot of words. I do, I do. That I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, this it, it really is. It's just so strange. Like this whole the, the the idea of doing it, and I feel like this is probably one of the like it's got to be one of the chief reasons why athletic commissions don't seem to want officials commenting publicly. It's like it it has to all come back to this at least to some degree, right? I would imagine, because I, I guess I guess, I don't know, because then they're on the hook for. If someone is interpreting the the criteria in the wrong way, and they're hiring these people, I, I don't know. Or, or just the combative nature of of the post. Honestly, it was very oh, that's combative. That's true too. Yeah, he, he you know, to... talking about you know, oh, you know, the 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 zombie land like uh, you know, fans in their RVCA uh, shirts and all that stuff were at the door. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god, it was epic. It just, it, it... <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it other than epic. But you know, I, but, I I like seeing that from a judge though because I, they get beaten down so much by fans. They should be able to fight back. You don't win though like that. It, it's it, you don't win by being combative. Like you you have to win with reason, I guess. You know. So are you and saying I say think, he just say he he got rid of all of the nonsense and just <laughs> like and, like if he left it as like a like a two hundred words instead of like a thousand words or he, whatever it was? and he just posted his reasoning. In a non-combative way, and said, "I saw the fight this way. This is why I scored it that way, and that's it." It it certainly I don't think would have turned into this like legendary thing now, <laughs> which really is like I, honestly I, I have to be admit like I forgot about this for a very long time. I remember when it happened. I did remember reading about it when it happened, but like it's kind of went out of out of sight and out of mind for many years. And yeah, it, it's it's something though. But you know, the funny thing is, again, judges. And referees, officials, they've been kind of more or less discouraged by athletic commissions from talking publicly for the most part. You know, again, we've had people on our show and we're very grateful for people like Rob Hines, Kevin McDonald, Ben Cartledge have come on and, and very eloquently 
uh, or, or at least concisely and, and, and accurately and clearly explained how their jobs work and how they do it and, and how other officials do it. And I think that's been educational. But, you know, we, we need more of that. What we don't need probably, though, is more of <laughs> when Doug Crosby goes on Chael Sonnen's You're Welcome podcast <laughs> a bunch of years back. 20... <laughs> I know you haven't gotten the chance to listen to this, Dan, but, but uh, it's episode 27. And then there's actually a follow-up in episode 28. Right. Um, and <laughs> you get, start, start at 27, 10 minutes in. And already it's, it's a very unusual experience. Uh, he's driving his daughter to... I guess an all girls school to look at it or something like that. I don't know. Doug, Doug's doing that while he's trying to talk to Chael and Chael is getting like, just so frustrated <laughs> with Doug. And, and it, it's to the point where he's like, I don't even think I should post this. I don't think I should share this. I don't think anyone's going <laughs> to want to listen to this. He, and he later <laughs> finds out again in the second episode that apparently it was one of their most listened to episodes. So he's like, well, now I got to get him back on again. <laughs> So it like backfired on him because it really is. It's one of those so awkward car wrecks that you can't look away from. Right. But he does explain on this show, on this episode of the podcast, in part at least, why he did it. He says it was essentially part of some year-long experiment he did on the internet. It's one of those things you're going to have to hear the words come out of his mouth. Listen to the podcast. But yeah, he says he got permission to do this experiment thing or whatever. I don't know. It's, It's very weird, but. I feel like the damage of the whole thing is that we don't get to hear from judges as much. We don't get to hear from referees as much. We do hear from them occasionally, and sometimes it doesn't come out the way I think people would like it to. But, like, Dan, let me let me ask you this. So last year we had a couple of refereeing incidents come to mind, especially with this, um, one of which involved Jason Herzog when he was refereeing the Glover Teixeira against Anthony Lionheart-Smith fight, right? Right. This fight that went on probably a lot longer than it ought to have, whether it was the referee's fault, whether it was the corner's fault, whether it was no one's fault. That's up for debate still. I, I don't think you can pin it on any one person. We, we talked about it at length back then, but you know, with, with time and, and hindsight and stuff, it's, it's very hard to say who's to blame for this. Maybe there's enough to go around. But Jason Herzog, to his credit, went on social media a few days later and without explicitly referencing that fight, appeared to say that, it is. It rests upon him to make these decisions, and I th- I appreciated that. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. I appreciate when when officials are able to do that. I don't think a judge necessarily needs to apologize for their scoring of a fight, mm-hmm. but I think a referee is a little different because we're talking about fighter safety. Yeah, and then we also had that Herb Dean one too, where he posted an explanation of of his. Uh... Yeah, that one was almost a little more combative, too, and I think that one probably didn't go over as well. But I, I still appreciate the fact that we're getting to hear from officials that are talking it out. That that at least is helpful. Like, there, there are people, I think, to learn from and examples to learn from, and, you know, no one's perfect. I'm, I'm not one to cast stones, but it's, it's one of those things that everybody's going to see this, and everyone, if you're putting it out there, you want someone to see it. Oh, yeah. But I, I would appreciate more opportunities for people to come out and be able to talk and you know if the commissions aren't letting them do it i mean they're already getting trashed like you know last year obviously everybody was goes getting on chris lee you know there's all these ugliness from you know faceless nameless trolls online like it shouldn't it shouldn't just be where everyone has to sit there silently there should be more even if it doesn't come from the official themselves i feel like there should be a representative 
from the commission who can come out and say, listen, this is what they're supposed to look for. And, and essentially at least just lean on the criteria's explanations. Even if, like, because we don't get anything. No one says anything. We don't even know why someone scored it a certain way. Unless they're listening to our show and we try to, you know, think about why. Yeah, I, Or I, someone's I, listening to, you know, we there are other shows that do similar things that we do and, and credit to them. I want to I want to point out real quick before, yeah. before we get too far. These weren't all nameless trolls for Chris Lee. There was people's names that show up on that UFC's live feed calling him some, you know, pretty unreasonable things. So I, I want to point it, it it was coming from people that have a lot of a lot of followers. This is true and and those are influential people too. Um and that's something that I try to keep in mind too. Is you know, not that I have a very big social media following, but as I continue to work as a professional journalist in in MMA, I do try to keep in mind that I have a platform and I need to use it um, carefully as as it gets bigger and bigger. Which is again smaller than many people's. <laughs> it, it's, it's it's still it's still big enough, and, and you I, th- respect I think you it. need to. I think you need to, especially because, like you're saying, some people do end up on the broadcast. My tweets end up on the broadcast. I don't want to be somebody who's um, I, I want to be careful with the way I use my platform. I think it's fair to give criticism where it's due, but you also don't need to go reach into the point of hyperbole. You know, these are still people. They call them, they call them corrupt and incompetent. Yeah, these are two things that I would have to say. Having no relationship with Chris Lee, I would have to assume that he is neither incompetent nor corrupt because... Let's face it, I wouldn't hear good things that I hear about Chris Lee if he was incompetent or corrupt. Yeah, I mean... And they would know. Baseless allegations on a fight you just disagreed with, pretty much. And and I don't like to hear it, because again, it it does prevent people from getting that knowledge. You know, I would love to have more officials be able to join us on the show. We can learn about them, they can learn, you know... Well, they're not going to learn anything from us, but, <laughs> but we can, you know, we, no, 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 we got nothing to teach them. Um, <laughs> well, we passed the I can I I teach them big words from that thesaurus, right? Yeah, this guy knows a lot of words. Uh, I mean, not, I couldn't teach that Crosby. Obviously, he, he's got a lot of them, but <laughs> no, I just, I, I just feel like it shouldn't be a combative thing, an unsafe thing, even in the view of athletic commissions. And I hope we can get past that point. If people if people want to stay private, that's on them. No one no one should be forced to come on our show or any show. If they don't want to come on Area Hawani and talk about it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, but but I feel like to deny them the even like the chance for fear of retribution, in you know there there's a perception out there that you can lose opportunities yeah. if you do things in media and stuff like that, even just make appearances. And I don't think that's fair. And the word that's the word you taught me this week: reprisal. Is that what that's called? <laughs> Reprisal, yeah. Okay. Now, also, real quick, uh, in major sports, you watch basketball. I never see a press conference with an official, so it's not, I guess, out of the ordinary that they don't talk. I'm glad you bring up basketball because you've walked right into my trap. Okay. The officials don't speak, okay. but the NBA releases, they call it the two-minute report, where oh. they essentially go over all of the missed calls for the final two minutes of, like, I think every game. Really? Yep. Okay. So within a day, you'll find out if they really did make an error on that missed foul in the final minute that cost your team. Okay, so it's not the whole game. It's just the final two minutes. Final two minutes. I think they might I, – I, I'm probably wrong here, but, but and you can verify it anyway. But they 
do I think more of it for like bigger games, maybe playoffs or something like that? It sounds familiar, but maybe not. But it, the point being, they at least do something like this. Yeah. So you're saying it would be cool if just say the commissioner of these athletic commissions came out and, and released something after every event. The commissioner, their office, somebody, you know, I mean, there's some people who are employed by certain commissions who, I mean, they're very much experienced in how judging works. Some of them are even former officials themselves. Mm. Um, but if you're in charge of a commission, you know, there's there's got to be at least a bare minimum understanding, or maybe there's not, uh, of the way officials do their job. So at the very least, you can talk to the working judges that night and even pool information and just say, well, this is what happened in this fight. You can lean on language and that kind of thing and release a report. I mean, no one's going to want to do that because, you know, <laughs> who wants some extra work? But I think it would go a long way in helping to educate people. And and at least you'd come away with an understanding. Some people just don't even get it. Like, they just miss the point. That's true. And they need they need an understanding. I think if, a, if an athletic commission had done that or started doing that, I think it would go a long way. Yeah, I think so too. I do give credit to uh, the Kansas Athletic Commission, though, because they do a lot in in terms of trying to let people know after events held in Kansas, which typically lately has been LFA and Invicta, uh, you know, high pro- higher profile regional shows. And they will essentially give, uh, you know, what, what the thinking was behind certain decisions. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah, very transparent. More please. More please. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. We'll be back again on Friday. We will have fights on this weekend, so we'll be previewing that a little bit. Absolutely. I'm sure we'll probably have another past judgment or something like that for you. Hopefully uh, hopefully we'll have another fun fight for you guys, and, and I hope you're enjoying them. Hey, if, if anybody ever has any suggestions for what we should do, give us a holler. We'd love to hear what you think. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. <laughs>